and welcome to a special episode of The Panelists. Come with me, and you'll be in a world of loose improvisation. Take a seat, open wide for some jokey conversation. I'm your host, Molly. And joining me are four lucky contestants who are about to enjoy a tour through my abattoir. I mean, candy factory. Joining me on some section of the screen, we have Team Graham and Ian. What is your team name? We are the 2020 Canadian Olympic rowing team. So we have an opportunity to accomplish something. It's going backwards, kind of fast. Too soon and also right on time. And somewhere else on the screen, we have Team Beach and Cameron. What is your team name? We are Team Oberth Class Banana Seat in memoriam of the uh, two Oberth-class ships who were present at the Battle of Sector 001. Ripped to those guys, but I'm different. Our mom says if we're good, she'll let us put a uh, Jake Sisko rookie card in one of the nacelles later. <sighs> oh, warp <laughs> engines go brr. Timely references all around. That's what we're here for. And in further good news, I have some good news. You are the new managers of Uncle Euphemio's Family Fun Zone, a combination amusement park and barbecue restaurant. Unfortunately, the zone in its current form is neither fun nor suitable for families, so you've been tasked with designing a brand new ride that will boost attendance. You can't afford to license any known IP, of course, beloved or otherwise, so you'll have to theme it around something that is in the public domain. So what is your hot new ride, and how will it lure local meat lovers through the turnstiles? Your choices are your human body, Kafka's metamorphosis, or the fungus among us. Among us. Among us. The Fungus Among Us. Team 2020 Canadian Olympic Rowing Team, what do you say? Molly, I think we'll have to take the fungus route. And that's what we'll call it. You're onto something there, Graham. Are, are you on the same page as I am here where this is a dark ride? Oh, of course. Not only is the dark ride of the Fungus Among Us uh, a, a, an entertainment through the history of fungus and fungus eating, but it is a dark and damp place where we produce our own mushrooms. Potential problem. The disaffected summer teenagers working at our ride will definitely try to grow some potentially illicit mushrooms in our ride. Or do we encourage it? Oh, our ride being dark and dank is going to be a haven for all sorts of activities that don't normally get to push to the forefront of family restaurants, but definitely occur at every family restaurant that exists. That can't be healthy, though, for, like, for family get-together to everyone starts tripping on mushrooms. I can't imagine you want to, like, do mushrooms with your mom. Oh, I don't know. It's helped a lot for me. Well, and truly, the sustaining market for uh, pop-up theme parks in, you know, various vacant parking lots and former putt-putt golf courses is divorced dads who get their kids for the weekend. Like, that is the lifeblood keeping that industry alive. And so, you know, maybe doing mushrooms with your dad that you don't get to see that much could be, in some way, a formative experience. The print advertisement definitely has a picture of Uncle Euphemio holding... A toadstool with the caption, You dropped this, king, dumb. If you actually lick the ad in the uh, in, in the yellow pages, you get high for about five seconds. That's just the way they print the yellow pages, and that's has nothing to do with... It's cheaper for us, then. How much blacklight paint is involved in this operation? As much as we can get. Covers up anything else when they need to do an investigation afterwards. Team Oberth Class Banana Seat. I initially thought that the fungus among us was actually some sort of weird guide that you gave to mushrooms in their adolescence. As if it's some sort of 
spawning, breeding guide to fucking for mushrooms. So that's what it sounds like, right? It's like our bodies ourselves, but it's the fungus among us. That did put me in mind of just your human body as being the guide by which we would build our attraction around. Question. Is it your human body, the, the, the broad concept of just, you know, your human body? Or is it meant to be our, in this case, Beej's human body? Like, which family are we really supposed to appeal to here? Because I feel like the implicit thing is like, a family restaurant is supposed to be like some place where the parents can take children. But what about all the weird uncles and aunts and the cousins who are in prison? Yeah, because they're like, we need to do something uh, with these kids we've been given to look after for a brief period of time because we agreed to watch them. It takes a long time to, to like digest food. So I have to assume that the ride for a bunch of kids... Uh, I mean, I'm calling it a ride. I'm assuming it'd be an attraction, but assuming the ride itself is just basically like you enter through a giant foam reproduction of something that resembles a human head and you go in through the mouth and you travel through the digestive system. And as you're moving through, like it's it's like we used to go to Bonanza in the old days and you would like order all your food to start with and then you go to the salad bar and then you get to eat. And then that's what would happen is you'd move through the esophagus and through the stomach. And, and as that's going on, you're just sitting at your cart just eating your salad bar food as you're like taking it off the sides as you're going by and there's like a man in a loudspeaker yelling at you about what's going on and with in in like the gastric juices and stuff like that and then 20 years later you're having dinner with your friends and trying to describe this experience and they're like i think i read this creepy pasta when you were describing a car going through someone's mouth and through the entrails and then out out to the other end I, it seemed like wonderful foreshadowing for the journey that your food that you're gonna eat this evening is also gonna go on. It's educational. Cameron, do we have like a parent's annex? Cause that was the thing I remember that some places would do. It'd be like, you can put your kids through the ride, but the, but the parents can go sit in a quiet room and just kind of eat, eat like well done steak and decompress. Yeah, definitely. Do they, are they able to watch their children moving through the digestive tract? Would that be therapeutic? They go sit in, like, the appendix. Ooh. Yeah, or maybe they move across the blood-brain barrier mm -hmm. and just get to sit out in, like, some kind of cerebral cortex. This kind of, like, unusual panopticon. They get to be the observer behind the eyes. Graham, can I take a moment here to outline my second idea for you? Please. Because I don't... I do believe that our... Uh, it's not a theme park unless it's got at least more than one ride. And the minute I heard ride and barbecue and public domain, well, there's nothing more public domain than the concept of barbecue sauce. And there's no ride more public domain than the flume ride. And what a better way to make sure that you always have enough barbecue sauce for everyone in the park at all times, than to have it running, fresh and flowing. Isn't that barbecue sauce a little too viscous to use as a, as, as, as a ride element? Like, wouldn't you hit it? It'd be like hitting a non-Newtonian fluid, wouldn't it? Well, it's not a fast ride. I mean, you want it to take the extent of dinner. Everyone's extremely high, too, on mushrooms. You don't want it to be, like, going 30 miles an hour. You just want a nice, slow slide. I mean... It, it's going to be especially slow when that barbecue sauce gets slowly transmuted into flies. <laughs> right? Like, it's going to be like the Everglades in there or something. 
uh, Team Oberth class banana seat. Um, it, does does your ride have the opening for a souvenir photo as a log flume barbecue sauce ride might? Yeah, I feel that like as you're being squeezed out of the ride or you know squeezed off of the ride, extruded, yeah, extruded, printed off, as it were, you fall out and you're limp on the ground in shock for a little while, and somebody comes along and takes your picture of you just looking up, damp and betrayed. Little bit like Neo from The Matrix. Ooh, yeah, because I imagine with all the digestive fluids, you're down some hair at this point, and your clothes all look tie-dyed. That's fantastic, actually, the idea of when you when you come to the ride, it's like you can either wear your own clothes, or we can provide you with uh, like a white cotton bodysuit. Because you get to eat, I think early in the in the ride mm. it's and mm-hmm. when you it's when you exit the the stomach and you start to go through the faster bit of the small intestine that you know really long 26 mile run that you're going to go on that's the excitement part you now have a full stomach and you're now getting tossed back and forth and yeah and and as you're doing this stuff that's when all the juices and stuff start flying out everywhere and start hitting you with that and they're screaming at you about how you're busy digesting uh, your food, just as as you are now being digested, you were once the digestive bacteria, but now there's other bacteria that's working on you as well. If you're eating early in the ride and the ride is that long, are there opportunities for a bathroom break during the ride? You've described the, the weird turducken moment in our ride then, haven't you? If you go to the bathroom to evacuate yourself on that ride, do you just produce a smaller ride goer? Your turd goes into its own little tiny log flume ride and then goes down a chute and gets its picture taken. I know I need to yes and the hell out of this shit, but there's something with me that's saying no. <laughs> Beach, you, you can't let this stand. You can't let this be the way that it is. But it's the truth. <laughs> this far, no further. It's how you're going to sell Uncle Euphemio's barbecue fun zone battery backups. Right next to the full body wet naps. <laughs> just a blanket it's a in a giant foil pouch that you tear off more like the kind of shit that you have when you go to a gallagher concert or guar if you've ever been to a guar concert take out your contacts i've heard if you'd like to see guar they're playing down at uncle euphemio's on friday night it's just a bunch of animatronic like beasts dressed up in the guar outfits doing their doing their greatest hits you just take the foam suits and you put them on the uh, the existing armatures. You don't even have to do anything else, right? Now featuring Guar asterisk. <laughs> the Guar experience. The country Guar jamboree. <laughs> Guarbecue. And then afterwards, you, you, there's photo opportunities. You can get a picture with Ballsack the Jaws of Death or Jizmac de Gusha. <laughs> Would you believe that for totally unrelated reasons, I was looking at the Wikipedia entry for Guar earlier today? <laughs> <laughs> That's allowed. You know, fuck this Euphemio stuff. We need to make barbecue as an actual at restaurant, I think. I'm not drinking a milkshake called Jizmac de Gusha. <laughs> so in conclusion, join us this weekend at Uncle Euphemio's barbecue with all of your four weird uncles. And in further good news. Good news. Your wealthy and eccentric Aunt Euphemia is dead. Not from COVID, though. Uh, she kicked the bucket long before that was alarming. Anyway, the uncharitable trust set up in her name has hired all of you, her surviving relatives with the shortest rap sheets, to be caretakers of a particularly dangerous item from her collection of bizarre and valuable artifacts. It would be disastrous if these totems of her power fell into the wrong hands. So, which of these do you want to keep safe from the ravages of time or capitalism, whichever comes first? 
the patent for Crystal Pepsi, her tame leopard named Jeremy, who can phonate English words but only knows how to sing Gilbert and Sullivan tunes, or the coordinates to the secret Mount Rushmore 2, which has the Golden Girls carved into it. Team Oberth-Class Banana Seat. If we get the patent to Crystal Pepsi, maybe we can use that technology to offer other crystal confections and condiments. Yeah, making invisible food is a lot of fun. Yeah, crystal mustard, crystal ketchup, crystal gravy, crystal ciabatta, crystal milk, crystal yogurt. Crystal yogurt, yeah. Just, you're eating, you've got a, your spoon out, and you pull out this invisible, gelatinous, I'm assuming it's Greek yogurt. But yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, of yeah, course. Yeah, exactly. So very thick, very chalky. Yeah, and then suspended within it is like crystal blackberries and crystal jam. So they just sparkle like like diamonds. And the best part of this is that if you eat a 100% crystal diet for seven years, eventually it will just be upcycled into you and all of your tissues will become crystal themselves. And you'll just walk around as this clear, colorless, gelatinous figure with, uh, I guess, bones suspended in you. Yeah, I don't have to wait to be 85 years old to have skin so thin you can see through it. You were looking forward to that? It's a lot cheaper to go to the doctor at that case because then they can just actually see what's wrong with you. What's wrong with you? I can see through your skin. That's what's wrong with you. Team Canadian 2020 rowing team. Crystal Pepsi, I think they've made, while it seems very valuable and very interesting, it's a, there's a critical flaw to their choice there in that they're only safeguarding the patent to Crystal Pepsi. And as we all know, patents do expire. At some point, that crystal knowledge is going to go out and filter out to the rest of the world, making their, their, their patent effectively worthless. I'd like to make a case for the singing leopard because giving pets totally normal human names is kind of hilarious. Just wandering around the house going, Jeremy, stop that. What are you doing to the rug, Jeremy? Sure, it can only, it can't speak. All it can do is sing Gilbert and Sullivan. Gilbert and Sullivan have an extensive library of songs. You know, all their not that problematic musicals and the Mikado. We also have the opportunity to go with the Golden Girls, Mount Rushmore. Um, Mount Blanchmore, I guess we're going to call it. But it's only the coordinates. We don't own it. This is something that belongs to the Earth and belongs to all people. And I think that that would be an amazing gift that we would give to the rest of the world to just give that away. What if Mount Blanchmore is a natural formation and it is several million years old? And on the seventh day, God threw a party and invited everyone he knew. You would be inducted into the order that protects the location of Mount Blanchmore. Which sounds like an awful lot of responsibility. More so than owning a cougar. How are you going to deal with the 3 a.m. zoomies? I grew up in the country. And in the country, cats are farm animals. They sleep outside. Do you worry at all that we might get noise complaints? I think if you loose a cougar into the neighborhood, the very best you can hope for is a noise complaint that it's belting out HMS Pinafore at 3 a.m. Rather than, my son is missing. It would also confuse the neighbors to stand on our front stoop and go, Jeremy! <laughs> J Jeremy? Will you stop singing, Jeremy? <laughs> Jeremy, you're off key. Your syncopation needs work. 
2020 Canadian bobsled team, I want to make sure you have the facts uh, complete and at your disposal. Please. Yes, patents do expire. Yes, Mount Blanchmore may crumble uh, from the earth and return to the earth from whence it came. Uh, but jaguars live about between 12 to 17 years. So mm -hmm. jaguars also expire. And I wonder if that factors into your plan. I would also submit that the future expiration of our pat patent on Crystal Pepsi would be great. Public domain crystal foods would transform human civilization. Crystal soybeans lead to crystal cows. The entire biosphere would become crystal, and you would just see through it down to the mantle, which would be convenient. I can't imagine how, but in some way, somebody will figure it out. As cool as that sounds, and what a great cover of a sci-fi novel the art would make, it seems impractical for several reasons, not the least of which is, you know, telling things apart or determining the distance from stuff. Which is where audio recognition comes into play, and therefore we come back to our very, very loud leopard. Well, and, and if there is a, a showtune puma just loose in the streets, I would like to be made out of as translucent a material as I could be. Seems like only the safe bet. That's going to become the, the natural defense mechanism we have. M much like I do now, whenever I'll start hearing Gilbert and Sullivan, I'll know it's time to leave. Is that a learned response that you've developed? In the future it will be because there, there, there will be a, a, a cat, a large cat out to kill and eat me. Currently it's just because there are theater majors present. Ian and I were confined in a room uh, eating fondue and watching topsy-turvy that one time. That sounds like something that would fit at Euphemio's barbecue place, honestly. Are you a fondue or a fondant? I don't know. Fondant looks cool, but it tastes awful. That's why you heat it up so you can dip it in there. It's a... <laughs> forms a skin. That's the most upsetting food-based thing we've talked about tonight, which is saying a lot. Wait, is fondant just cake skin? <laughs> nope. Wait, it got worse. There it is. That's ah, the worst one. Yes! It's a, it's a membrane. It's a cake membrane. What if your fondant grew hair? <laughs> and you just blew across the cake and it all stood up? <laughs> like in that scene from First Contact? And if you could define the texture of it, like, you know, a curly cake for special occasions? What if it got a pimple that just Ooh, extruded it's... custard? Yeah, to squeeze the Boston cream out very slowly. My cake has clogged pores. Uh. Uh, sir, those are actually sebaceous filaments. Uh. Oh, and you, you light them instead of candles. This is terrible. <laughs> it's what keeps the cake moist. Come on. <laughs> why am I, why am I encouraging this? So what have we learned? <laughs> I think learning something is really the fail state here. I'm hoping to blast this from my memory as soon as possible. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so in conclusion, if you threw a party and invited everyone you knew, you would see a singing cat named Jeremy and a cake with skin and hair. Thank you for being a friend. This has been The Panelist. Bobcat is a yet further different animal.
<laughs> Euphemia is not giving away her bobcat that sings all of Hamilton. It's the jaguar Jeremy that sings all of Gilbert and Sullivan. Get your facts straight. I wanted the Starlight Express palace cat. <laughs>